Hello, everybody, and welcome to Medic's Mind, the podcast. I have a blog post to read for you guys today. It's a blog, it's an unpublished blog, so this is the first time anybody's going to get a chance to hear it outside of me and maybe one other person. But uh, I wanted to share it with you because this has been sort of a recurring nightmare for me. Uh, you know what? I'll explain after uh, after the intro. Enjoy the guitar riff. and welcome back to a medic's mind the podcast i really do enjoy that guitar riff i hope you do too uh i some so some news for you guys before i get into an otherwise somewhat bleak uh reading uh i have somebody working on a intro uh specifically designed for medic's mind the podcast i know i'm kind of excited about it too <laughs> uh this person is incredibly talented and i'm sure they're going to do a fantastic job so today, what do I want to talk about today? Well, uh, the the reading that I have for you, I, I wrote this over the course of a few days, and um, I, I kind of just finished it today, but I, I wanted to read it to you because A, it's very personal, and B, it's a recurring nightmare that I've been having over the past few days, and... Uh, and it just feels like something I need to get out, something I need to, you know, bloodlet myself from a little bit, so... I'm going to utilize this blog or podcast, blogcast, this podcast to do that. Uh, and that's coming up next. And it is called Hey Cap. In 30 plus years of life, there are a few things that I'm proud of, a few achievements that feel like summits of Everest to me. There are, however, a plethoric number of things that I'm not so fond of. When people call me a good person or say that I'm a good man, my skin instantly tries to retreat from itself. It is not that their compliments are unwelcome or humbling, it's just that they are incredulous to me. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I'm not. Trust me. I'm not. What I'm about to share with you will no doubt cement my legacy as a slipshod in this world. Despite the titles and professions that I've previously held, I am nothing if not flawed. I may even say prolifically so. In roughly 2011, on a warm summer's day, my life would change forever. I would be involved with an event that would fracture my already aching mind into further separation from sanity and structure. A heinous event that lingers strongly through to this day. The details are troubling. The reality, awful. Living with it from then till now, nearing indescribable. But I'll try. It was a day shift, and we were right near the end. We were on our way back to station for switchover when the mercurial gods of EMS halted our enthusiasm towards freedom. The chimes of our center console clattered boisterously with the news that we were getting dispatched from one last run. It would be one of the most ominous dispatch notes that I have ever had the misfortune of reading. I could feel even now that same bend that burdened my brow as it did on that day when my eyes trundled over top of the lettering that etched itself to the display screen. The words I was reading seemed surreal in the most horrific of ways. I didn't want it to be real as I knew that eventually these simple yet nefarious words that were stapled to our screen would soon be replaced by the reality of the story those letters were penning. 
I would soon see him, the weightless boy, and I would hold that diminutive urchin within my hands. Only my eyes would be able to confirm for me that he was there. It would be an evil juxtaposition of holding nothing and everything at the same time. I felt some relief in the fact that I was working with Rob, one of the most experienced and skilled medics on the surface. He was driving that day, and when his eyes caught a glimpse of what was scrawled across our MDT screen, his eyes narrowed in concentration and his body mimicked that intensification of thought by skillfully turning us about in a U-turn to get us going in the right direction towards the call. As he was doing that, dispatch squawked over our mics and informed us that they were sending a second unit and fire response. On calls such as these, it was all hands on deck. These were the calls that got your blood pumping and your mind churning through protocols and drug infusions. Dealing with children was a whole other beast as a paramedic. I could hear the wail of sirens pierce through the city and down the alleys as we flew by stagnant lanes of traffic and rigidly tall city blocks. It was as though Rob could see seconds into the future and thus act accordingly. He zipped through those halted lanes of cars and trucks as if to know what they were going to do before they did. This meant for a speedy and deliberate acceleration towards our weightless little man in need. The call address took us to a rundown area of the city that boasted mid-rise apartments along either side of the street. They all appeared to have been designed by the same apathetic creator some years prior to our arrival. We stopped the ambulance outside of an aging brick building with numbers that were faded from years of unprotected exposure to a vengeful sun and duct tape that zigzagged its way across one of the panes of glass to the main door. As fast as my heart had been racing in preparation of arrival to this place, it was now beating three times as fast in knowing that we had arrived. Arrived in hell. Rob orated to me that he was going to grab gear from the back and requested that I make my way towards the apartment to see if we could gain access to its inside. I acknowledged his command with a quick nod of my head and then bounded from the ambulance and walked with quickened pace towards the time-worn structure. I was not sure what was louder or more thunderous, the relentless slamming of my heart to the inside of my chest walls or the sudden slaps of my heels to the worn pavement below. Either way, there was a storm brewing. I was about a foot and a half away from the wounded glass door when it suddenly and violently swung open, revealing a frazzled woman with panic bleeding from her stare and absolute worry permeating from her every movement. She shrieked at me while pushing her arms towards me as if she wanted me to grab whatever she was holding. When I dropped my gaze to see what it was that was swallowed within her hands, time and everything within it seemed to take a ghastly cessation of movement. I could hear nothing, see nothing, except him the weightless little boy who was once merely words to a screen. Now he lay draped within his mother's trembling embrace, an embrace that she wanted to relinquish to me. Hesitantly and dutifully, I obliged. I extended my hands outwards from my sweat-stricken body and retrieved this precious package from this frightened woman's arms. My eyes watched this handover of horror and became nonplussed when realizing that my body was now holding this little boy, yet feeling no heft from him whatsoever. He was so slight, small and frail. The tiniest of features boasted from his ill-developed frame. He was near weightless. Had my eyes not seen the little boy, my body wouldn't have known it was holding anything. And you know what? To this day, that little boy is the heaviest thing that I have ever carried in my arms. Immediately upon receipt of this little man, I turned 180 degrees and began scurrying towards the ambulance. The first thing I recall hearing other than my introspective dialogue was the growl of the engine snarling from our parked rig. Rob must have seen me retreating towards the ambulance with little man in hand, as when I got to the backside door, 
It was already open and Rob was standing on the top step with his arms outstretched in readiness to take the weightless little burden from me. I was in too much of a hurry that my body kept moving and I forced Rob to sink backwards into the working space of our truck. I bent down and placed this small little boy onto our stretcher and then stood back up, never removing my eyes from his body. When noticing that Rob was beginning to work on our ethereal boy, I snapped back into action and began hurling through med bags and airway kits. The other crew had shown up now and had joined us in the back of our ambulance. I heard a request boom from one of the other medics asking for an airway, meaning a breathing tube to help a breathless person breathe. I opened the pediatric bag and unzipped the compartment entitled Airway. I used my fingers to sift through the different sizes of tubes and masks, looking for the correct size for such a petite little boy. Sadly, whomever used this kit before us failed to restock it correctly, and thus all the masks that we could use to breathe life into our fading patient were too big. But we tried anyway. I grabbed the smallest size that we had and tossed it over to Dom, one of the other medics. I watched as the mask sloppily enveloped the entirety of the boy's face and head. Each gentle puff from the bag that was attached to flowing oxygen made this little boy's lashes flutter, horrifyingly so. It was an image that is shockingly difficult to describe and terribly more arduous to own as memory. This is something that I have never forgotten and dream of often in the form of odious nocturnal recall. The flutter of nightmare. Soon after implementing all we could within a timely manner, one of the other medics hopped out of the rig and took up residency within the driver's seat and began transporting us to the children's hospital. While in transport, I was in charge of CPR. My fingers pressed down onto this little boy punishingly so. I tried and I tried, hoped and I hoped that the rhythmical staccato designed at engendering life would work. It didn't. The monitor just mocked me with a wavering line of a non-beating heart. When we arrived at the hospital, there was a team of nurses and doctors waiting for us. The back doors of the ambulance tore open even before being fully stopped. We withdrew the stretcher that held this little boy of ours and walked briskly down the hallway of the hospital towards one of the trauma rooms. Gapes of awe and concern followed us from the other medics that were sequestered along the walls of the hospital hallway. I have been involved with a few horrible peregrinations down a virtual catwalk. This was one of the worst of its kind. Right up there with Boomer. We would hand over care to that awaiting team of nurses and doctors and we would slip out of the room and allow for them to try and work their magic. I stood outside of the door and watched as wires and tubes, machines and trolleys were placed into perfect position. Orders were given and hands obliged. Sadly, no magic was to be performed on this day. On this day, this horrible summer day, the reaper wins. He stole that little boy from us. That three-month-old baby boy. I would learn later that the reasoning behind his stature, or lack thereof, was because he was born to a mother who was addicted to crack and cocaine. Since the miracle birth of her little man, she had cleaned up her life and devoted it to him. For three months, he saved her life, and in a moment, his was lost, and there was nothing we could do. I was standing outside the room when they pronounced this little boy dead. My eyes fixated on his hand and how small it was. It seemed positioned in such a way as to be asking for someone to hold it. And I won't lie, I wanted to, but I didn't. I just continued to stand, staring at a dead child. My transfiction was interrupted when a shrill cry bellowed from down the hall. Someone had just told the mother that her life-saving baby boy was dead. She collapsed within herself. 
I could see it. Her heart sank to the soles of her feet and then bled onto the waxy hospital floor. The woman was taken into a quiet room along with other family members that had arrived to be with her. I wheeled the stretcher towards the sliding glass doors of the emergency bay, ignoring the empathetic glares of my colleagues. I bore a hole in the floor mere steps ahead of wherever I was walking. I didn't want to see nor talk to anyone. I was angry. Why the hell wasn't the correct mask in the bag? Who the fuck didn't restock the goddamn thing? Why did she even give birth in the first place? And why the fuck was this my call? And so it went. I was shocked when my stretcher suddenly halted itself, causing me to gently crash into the back of it. I looked up to see what had happened. Standing there, with a hand on the front of my wheeled bed, a fire captain. He must have been on the call, too. He looked at me through expression of wishful inquisition. He wanted me to tell him about the boy, and he wanted me to provide him with good news. News that I did not have to give him. I couldn't even muster the energy for an audible answer to his fateful query. I simply allowed for my eyes to answer along with a sorrowful nod of my head side to side. He knew I meant no. His eyes told me so. I was taken aback to see such honest expression of emotion from an on-duty fire captain. He began to cry. Unabashedly so. His crew must have been outside still. He raised his right hand up to his brow in what looked like an attempt at shielding himself from watchful eyes of those around us. I felt bad for him. I felt bad because what he was doing outwardly was what I was doing inwardly. Crumbling. I was burnt. Done. Fatigued beyond the realm of replenishment. I had nothing left to give. Not even empathy. I stood in his company for a moment longer, then removed his hand from the front of my stretcher and continued on past him. I left him there. Alone. His heart had fallen along the hospital floor also. And I just walked away. I told you, I am not a good man. My therapist says that I had nothing left to be able to give someone in need, that I was not in a position to be able to help the fire captain. She said that I was hurting too, and that part is true. I was in pain. I mean, I had just watched the smallest human being that I had ever seen or held die in front of me. You're goddamn right I was hurting. But I still felt as though I failed as a human in that moment. I left a fellow brother in need. I left him to bleed alone. What must he think of me now? I pushed his hand off my stretcher and just walked away. God damn. I think about that every day. When I jumped into the back of the ambulance to restock and clean it, I closed the doors and sat on the bench seat for a few minutes. I was crying now, out of sight of everyone. Everyone except that little boy. I could still see his image stenciled to the stretcher in front of me. My eyes bled. His fluttered. Mine bled some more. I'm sorry, Cap. I didn't mean to leave you, brother. Know this. Since that day, you have never left me. Not for a single second. Neither has the weightless one. I carry you both. And I am sorry. I wish I was a better man in that moment. A better medic. A better human. I'm sorry, brother. I am still working at forgiving myself for that. It's hard for me. Maybe in writing this, cementing it to these pages, I'll be able to let it go within me. I don't know. But I'm trying. And Cap, if you're listening, I feel you, brother. 
please believe me, I feel you. And I did on that day as well.